Investment products are not FDIC-insured, not a bank guarantee, and may lose value. Please read other important information, which can be found on the link at the end of the podcast episode. Greetings, this is Michael Sembalist with the Thanksgiving Eye on the Market podcast. This week we'll be discussing private equity. Uh, in advance of that, on the recent price action in equity markets, I think it makes sense to look at all of this with the lens we discussed in our October piece, which is that we are now at the in the middle of the withdrawal of this colossal uh, monetary stimulus cycle, uh, and also to look at the way the typical cycle ends, not the not the last two, but the typical cycle ends with asset prices peaking before economic data or corporate profits do, uh, and which was one of the reasons why uh, we've been arguing that um, it makes more sense to play defense this year than offense. On, on the topic of private equity, members of our board and a lot of our clients have been asking about this growing amount of dry powder, which is one of the issues that uh, we wanted to share with you in this extended Thanksgiving piece. In the piece, you'll see we we first walk through a historical review of buyout and venture performance, and and the judgments that need to be made when when calculating performance of private equity as an asset class. Those those uh, there's more art than science involved in how you do that. Then we get into the question of how big is dry powder. The estimates range anywhere from five hundred billion to one and a half trillion. And uh, the different numbers depend upon what it is that you want to measure. Uh, we then get into the more important questions of, is the amount of dry powder a problem for private equity investors? And if you look at the amount of unspent capital, unspent but committed capital as a percentage of market capitalization of the Russell 2000, for example, or as a percentage of uh, recent investment, uh, in terms of the time that it was, is necessary to deploy all this dry powder measured in years, it doesn't look that bad. That said, when you triangulate the amount of dry powder with rising uh, multiples in private equity, uh, the shrinking number of uh, public companies available for private equity uh, companies to, to invest in, uh, you look at rising debt multiples, and you look at the increase of secondary sponsor-to-sponsor uh, transactions, it does look like the dry powder is having an impact on the marketplace and, um, and I think will be contributing to lower expected future returns in the asset class. Historically, private equity has done pretty well, net of fees versus public equities, depending on how you measure it. Using the S&P as a, as a benchmark, you'd get something like a 3 to 4% um, excess return over public equities in IRR terms over time. And again, this is something that we walk through in the section on how to understand and think about historical performance. Uh, but looking forward, given the starting point of where multiples are today, absent a major correction in the public equity markets, I think the both absolute and relative performance of private equity will be at the lower end of the range over the next 10 years compared to where it has been historically. Uh, still worth something holding in portfolios, but I think we need to be measured about our expectations for future asset class returns. And that's not just for private equity, it's for all asset classes, giving today's starting points and a pretty spectacular run in asset prices over the last 10 years. Uh, I think the equity markets are up in the U.S. about 15% compounded annualized since 2009. Uh, that only happened once during the 50s and at the end of the 1990s. Uh, we also review some other factors affecting private equity demand uh, related to 
very large underfunded uh, state and um, local pension plans, which is a topic we've written about extensively. And then we also review the issue of alignment of interests in private equity fees and some thoughts on on both management and monitoring fees in addition to incentive fees. So uh, take a look at this week's piece. Um, it's an important part of how we evaluate private equity and um, and the way that we approach it in client portfolios. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again in about a month when we issue our 2019 Eye on the Market Outlook. Everybody have a great break and enjoy Thanksgiving. Michael Semblist's Eye on the Market offers a unique perspective on the economy, current events, markets, and investment portfolios, and is a production of J.P. Morgan Asset and Wealth Management. Michael Semblist is the chairman of Market and Investment Strategy for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and is one of our most renowned and provocative speakers. For more information, please subscribe to the Eye on the Market by contacting your J.P. Morgan representative. If you'd like to hear more, please explore episodes on iTunes or on our website. This podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is a communication on behalf of J.P. Morgan Institutional Investments Incorporated, a member of FINRA. Views may not be suitable for all investors and are not intended as personal investment advice or as a solicitation or recommendation. Outlooks and past performance are never guarantees of future results. This is not investment research. Please read other important information, which can be found at www.jpmorgan.com disclaimer eotm.